I'm Matthew Dubins. Welcome to Don't Scare Me with Donor Data, my podcast where I talk all things donor data with nonprofit professionals near and far to help get you more familiar with its trials and triumphs. In today's episode, I'll be speaking with Kirk Schmidt, Director of Fundraising Analytics and Systems at Stars Air Ambulance. I first became aware of Kirk in 2017 before he started his job at Stars. I discovered that he was running a fundraising analytics consulting business not entirely different from my own. It wasn't until he started his job at Stars that I got the chance to have a very friendly and lengthy chat with him about his experiences and ideas in analytics and client relationships. Today, Kirk has agreed to share some stories about how he's leveraged analytics, from the simple stuff to the more complex, to boost the success of Star's Air Ambulance. Hey, Kirk, how you doing? Good, how are you? Good, thank you. Um, listen, thanks so much for uh, joining me today to talk about uh, your experience uh, as the Director of uh, Fundraising Analytics and Systems at STARS. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, awesome. Um, so, uh, listen, you know, we were sort of briefly talking about uh the stories that you would share today um, in that, uh, you know, you've had some experiences uh, not only implementing, you know, the more complex uh, analytics uh, that you and I both love to do, but also uh, sort of the, the, the more simple stuff. Um, But before we even get started with that, uh, why don't you, uh, talk to me if you can about what the state of analytics at Stars was before you even arrived. Sure. So I, I don't think that Stars was in an unsophisticated place. I mean, we're we're effectively running almost like a hospital foundation in a lot of ways. So it wasn't that analytics was poor. It's really just a matter of uh, it needed to kind of get up to the next step. So, you know, we, we were able to, to properly see, you know, how, how different mailings went and uh, be able to identify a lot of donors in, in a lot of sophisticated ways. But uh, I think some of the, the more subtle changes and, and certainly anything in terms of uh, machine learning and AI, we weren't even looking at that yet. So it, was, it wasn't, say, coming into a small charity that has never done anything more than, you know, just, you know, how much total revenue they have. Uh, it certainly was more sophisticated than that, and we could do some relatively sophisticated tests, but it was really about bringing it to kind of another level and seeing what could be tweaked here and there that maybe hadn't been looked at in a while. So maybe the uh, next thing for you to talk about then is um, what what were those next steps or those uh, tweaks that you implemented uh, upon becoming uh, director of uh, fundraising analytics at Stars? 
Well, it, I mean, as as you know, I used to be a consultant. And so what I decided to do when I started at STARS, especially because when you start a new job, of course, not everybody gives you all the things they're going to give you, you know, six months down the road. Uh, I used it as an opportunity to kind of run the same type of protocol I, I would have as a consultant, which was really just coming in, running a number of of metrics. So I have, I have a number of, of R scripts, but, you know, use whatever tool you want to do metrics. But I have a number of scripts that I basically brought in, I ran quickly and and just to see a number of things. And and so these looked at all sorts of different things, including like all of the quantile anal analysis for uh, the for stars. So to kind of see where the different uh, gift distributions lie, uh, looked at a number of things around when revenue was coming in from a quarterly basis, uh, looking at, you know, robust metrics like what are, you know, what was our median, uh, what was our, our trimmed mean, so our, our average without outliers, uh, where was kind of the point at which things really stopped being, say, uh, normal, typical, uh, almost direct response and online type giving, and, and when did it kind of cross over to a point where we could reasonably consider people to be mid-level or major gifts? So looked at a lot of things like that. Uh, probably the most uh, fruitful analysis I would say that I did when I first started was uh, basically a frequency test. So basically what you do is you look at all the gift amounts and, and you look at how frequent different gift amounts are being given. Um, and, and then you look at kind of what the top ones are. And, and so I was looking at what the top five gifts were in general to the organization and found that it was, uh, and I'm probably going to get this wrong, but it was basically like $100, uh, $25, $50, $20, and $250 in that order. So the the most frequent gift was $100, and then kind of saw this, this up and down depending on where you went. And of course, the moment I, I looked at that and I saw that, and, and especially because they were miles ahead of other gifts, basically went immediately to the website and went, okay, I'm, I'm willing to bet that this $100, $50, $25 is the ask string. And sure enough, it was. Now, one thing to consider that the fifth highest gift was well above what the highest gift amount was on the, on the website was very telling for me. It was basically saying, look, people are willing to give more and we're not, we're not providing that option. Uh, so, so that started kind of down this road of of trying to adjust that, and we can talk about that in a bit. But that was probably one of the most fruitful pieces of analysis that we did, and it was just simply, you know, how frequent different gifts are coming in, and and kind of did the same thing with monthly gifts too, and and looked at you know where, what amounts we were asking for monthly when we weren't doing say variable asks on on direct response. And and <laughs> I, I love the story. Uh, <laughs> by the way, I just love it. And now, what I'm trying to imagine, and hopefully, you'll enlighten me, uh, is how did uh, the uh, executive members of Stars react when you presented this? analysis and your suggestions to them? Well, it, it's interesting because a lot of when I came into this role, it was really about giving me the power to make the changes that I saw necessary. So unless it was something that was was huge culture based or, or something that was going to cause you know major issues like 
you know, I, you know, changing completely, say, say the way that we ask for money, um, or, or putting in significant investment. Basically I was, I was empowered to make the changes that I needed to. So, um, really what's interesting about the story and what's kind of funny about the story is, uh, I was chatting with my boss and, and we were talking about online giving and, and how we kind of had this goal to increase online giving year over year. And so one of the things she, she looked at me and asked me, was, you know, can we increase online giving by 10% in the next year? And and kind of that was in terms of both revenue and number of donors or, or number of gifts, at least, uh, that we get online. And and I had just finished this analysis and I, I saw what was possible. And I, I looked at her and I said, I can do it by, I can do 20%. And uh, so, it, you know, it was kind of like, okay, well, you know, there's the challenge, there's the gauntlet laid down. And so it really was about, you know, letting me do what I need to do to make those numbers happen. But it was it was based on all of this analysis and based on this idea that, yes, I knew that there were more people who wanted to give more and, and things like that. And and I mean, when you when you think about it, uh, if if $100 was the most frequent gift um, and, and when we trimmed out outliers, our average tended to be around there as well, you know, adding 20%, you're you're talking about making making that $120 instead of $100. Well, it doesn't actually take a lot of adjustment to to make that work as long as it actually does work, right? So, really, it became down that road of of what can we test and and how do we how do we change that so that we cause that to happen. Um, and so now I'm I'm curious, uh, moving from the uh, moving from the the uh, experimental or the analytical phase uh, uh, through the implementation to the results phase. Um, how frequent was the uh, uh, new ask amount chosen or how frequently was the new ask amount chosen uh, on, uh, on the donation form? So luckily, we have uh, we we have a decent amount of volume uh, in terms of gifts, right? Where we we tend to get quite a few gifts per day, so uh, that allowed us to to change probably far fast faster than a lot of charities did. But it was really important because you know we know in fundraising that there are certain months where more money comes in, or or even you know when you send out say a direct mail piece you're going to see a, a small spike in in online donations because you're going to get a subset of people who get the piece of mail and then go online and give it was really right. important that we don't that that we try not to compare two different time periods and even comparing years is really difficult because even even the year when when we start when I started here and we, when we started this test there was a very high profile disaster that happened that ended up completely changing uh completely changing what um, what money came in so w what was really important when we set up these tests was actually to run them in parallel so what we did is we actually set up the online page so that if somebody's ip address ended with an even number they went to one uh one page and if it ended yeah. it with an odd number it went to another page mm -hmm. so we were able to run them in parallel okay okay and then basically at that point, what we did is, is we just kind of waited until there was a significant number of donations. Um, and, and basically I, it would, I would say it was probably about every two months 
we were rotating through and just making small adjustments. So, you know, for example, that when we started, the control was, of course, the original donation page. Uh, the test was adding a $250 amount because we knew it was one of those top amounts. And mm -hmm. I mean, that that almost overnight completely changed. And, and of course, we wanted to follow the test through. You don't want to cut off the test early. But basically, throughout that test, we we saw a massive increase almost overnight. And and then basically from there, it was just micro adjustments that the the last few changes we made were were probably less pronounced. They were more just making sure that we had the right amount. So we, you know, we adjusted a few of the different amounts here and there. Uh, but basically from, I would say it was about April of 2018 now, uh, up until December of 2018, we were running tests about every two months. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, obviously uh, quite a few people were choosing that $250 option. Well, it, it wasn't even a matter of them choosing the $250 option. Basically what we did is we ran frequency, um, like almost like histograms, but buckets for not only the donation amounts that existed on both of the pages, but also the, the amounts in between. Uh, right. So that if people put another amount, then, then we know. And what ended up happening is it wasn't that there were more $250 gifts. There might've been a few more, but it seemed that the frequency of the $50 gifts dropped. And it, and then we saw a much higher frequency of $100 gifts or even other amounts that were in between 100 and 250 So we actually saw a number of additional write-ins of 150 to 200 those types of things. So what ended up happening is basically you saw this frequency shift from the lower values to just higher values in general. So even though we didn't get a lot more 250 gifts, just having that $250 amount seems to have uh, maybe had a psychological impact where people started to think about giving slightly more yeah you know what this reminds me of um not that i'm any great expert in sales but uh there's this concept of uh sell to the middle <laughs> yes um you know what do they call that uh, the goldilocks effect right where yeah, where, you, yeah. where you price something high price something low and then people go for the middle and that that's uh that's what this is reminding me of uh, because essentially what you're saying is you changed the psychological middle option that people were willing to choose when uh, donating to Stars Air Ambulance. Yeah. So it's it um, basically it, it had that effect. Um, and then in, in general, when we made small changes, like we changed the $100 amount to $125, well, Sure enough, what ended up happening is is we actually didn't see a large frequency change. In fact, we saw more people just clicking other and writing in $100. So we didn't see that as much. But yeah, that first, the, the moment we put almost a, a an amount that was almost too high for a majority of donors, it, it changed the middle value for them. And then for people who would be willing to give that $250 amount, it just made the process a little bit easier because they could just click it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's brilliant um i really love this story uh because for me um it has this element of uh simplicity to it that the analytical procedure that you were using uh was really really basic um but the, the valuable thing in this really basic procedure 
was you brought a perspective to stars previously perhaps nobody had or if they had it maybe it was fleeting or maybe they didn't have the same follow-through or whatever the case may be um but because of uh your uh perspective and your logical approach this really basic procedure had a really big impact on the fundraising and i i just i love hearing stuff like that well i I think it's important to to make mention of of that different perspective too and and even having somebody who does do some level of analytics as part of their job i mean it's really easy we you know we've all worked worked where you know you want to do something and then six months later you go oh uh, you know i was going to do that a whole bunch of months ago and just never got around to it. You know, if you're doing analytics off the side of your desk and it's no really nobody's job, then you don't have that opportunity to have somebody who can just go in and go, okay, you know, we're going to test this today and and maybe it won't make a major difference or maybe it will, but it's about, you know, systematically going through and actually doing it and being being um being thoughtful about it and being intentional about it, right? That that somebody's job is to analyze things at least every so often. And I know for, I know for smaller charities, that's going to be a lot harder than than say a place like Stars, where they can hire an entire person for that role. <laughs> but at the same time, I, I think it's really important to recognize one that somebody should be doing analytics somewhat on a regular basis, whether you hire somebody external or you have somebody who's that's part of their job. But then the other thing is. It doesn't have to be artificial intelligence. It doesn't have to be investing fifty thousand dollars into you know external analytics that that give you a whole bunch of additional pieces. It really can be something as simple as let's try like the little uh, low hang low hanging fruit, and perhaps you know there might be a little nugget here and there. And you have to remember, you know, increasing your fundraising by even five percent can be a significant amount of money if you're able to do that and make it, make it happen consistently. So sometimes it's those little changes that, that can actually make a relative big difference. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I totally agree. Um, Okay. So I think the, the, the last major topic that I was hoping to talk about is, um, so what, what are the kinds of uh, um, innovations or analytical processes or products that um, maybe you had to wait a while before you could implement them, but you know, you've seen uh, some success at STARS? Well, I, I think I mean right now we're trying a number of things, um, and and we're working like we're working for example with a company called Wisely who uh, effectively do predictive analysis on uh, not necessarily on who your best prospects are because that that's always been kind of the traditional one right is is you go to an analytics company and they tell you okay you know you want to go after these prospects because they're the best prospects. And, and sometimes they'll tell you how, how they did that process, and sometimes it's a black box, and you don't quite know how they came up with those names. Um, where, where working with Wisely has been interesting is they're focused on kind of when the donor's next gift is and how much that gift should be. Uh, and it's it's all based on predictive analysis, so, so machine learning. And effectively, 
from our perspective, it, it makes it far more interesting because one, we can test it, right? We can actually go, okay, they, they said that these donors would be giving these amounts at this time. So we can send, we can send to, to people different, different right out. But the other thing is it gives us this ability to kind of manipulate our, our, our entire system of fundraising around, you know, not what was the previous gift, which is the traditional way of going after it, right? Like even looking at things like recency, frequency, monetary, it's all based on, on very um, unsophisticated metrics of, of past behavior. And it's looking more to these predictive analyses and going, okay, this person is about to be a mid-level donor, or we think they're about to be a mid-level donor. So what if we start treating them like a mid-level donor, as opposed to waiting for them to make that gift if they make it and, and allowing us to be a little bit more proactive in, in the way that we, we attack things. So we're only starting with this, but that's the type of thing that, that really interests me. And, and I think as we get farther into this, into AI and machine learning being um, part of the the daily you know piece of of data and analytics, it's about looking at where those are going to be useful and where they aren't. You know, and I mentioned you know prospect analysis was kind of the first thing that happened in in the sector, and that's all well and good. But if you don't have the staff available to take on the additional workload, or if you're not willing to invest in new staff to take on those additional portfolios or things like that. There's really very little you can do with that. Whereas when we start getting into the predictive analysis, that's looking at things like, you know, what are donors going to give next and when are they going to give like kind of like we work with, with wisely or, you know, when is the best time to talk to this donor? Like we're, we're probably going to get into this point in the future where, you know, we know that so-and-so is a Leafs fan and that they're less likely to respond well to a solicitation the day after the Leafs lose you know, especially to a Zamboni driver, then you you can start making these these almost micro changes to to when you call certain donors and and when the systems are telling the fundraisers, hey, you should reach out and talk about this or or things like that. Like we're going to get to this really cool point where where basically the AI goes from being predictive to this pres- prescriptive analysis for donors. So I'm really excited about where that's going to go. Uh, but really, right now, it's about trying to utilize these tools that we have available to us right now and and seeing what we can use with them, what makes sense, what doesn't make sense, and even different ways of, uh, of using them, right? Figuring out, you know, is it the type of thing where we should reach out in advance if if they're potentially going to become a mid-level donor, or do we just simply send them a solicitation with a larger amount because we expect them to give more or or whatever, right? So we can do all of these really cool tests over time and figure out what's working and what's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it makes a lot of sense. And uh, that sounds really exciting. Um, and uh, it'll be really interesting to follow along uh, with the process uh, or progress, I should say, of STARS. Uh, and, uh, you know, just see, see how you guys are faring with, uh, all of this really cool, exciting new technology. Yeah. I think it's, it's really nice to be able to experiment and try things and and to even have a, an organization that's willing to try things. Right. And I think that's something that as a sector, we need to be a lot better at is being willing to invest 
and even be willing to fail. And I think that's something that that we struggle with a lot in this sector is, you know, I don't want to spend a thousand dollars on this because we might not get anything out of it, or even worse, we might lose donors. Um, and so, so the investment is never made. So it's really nice to be at an organization that says, you know what, let's try it. Let's put some money towards it. Let's see what happens. If it works, then we can invest more into it. We can expand it. If it doesn't work, then you know what, we tried it. We know it's, it's not going to work. Maybe we'll test it in the future again, but for now we'll move on to the next iteration. Hmm. Yeah, that makes total sense. Um, anyway, uh, listen, Kirk, I do have to, uh, I do have to end the conversation now. Uh, but I really greatly appreciate you taking the time out of your day uh, to speak with me on my podcast. Uh, for those of you who are listening, um, you can find out more about Stars Air Ambulance uh, on their lovely website, uh, which is just simply stars.ca. Um, and uh, other than that, Kirk, uh, I hope you have a great rest of your week. Well, thank you again for having me on and uh, looking forward to talking to you soon. All right. Bye for now. Bye. That's it for today's episode. If you'd like to find out more about me and the services that I offer through my data science consulting company, feel free to visit www.donorscience.ca. I hope you've learned something interesting from this episode and that I haven't scared you with donor data.